Hey, one more thing before you go. Have you ever wanted to integrate the woo-woo with normal life and get into alignment with your own spiritual self? Have you asked, how can spiritual coaching, intuitive energy work, tarot, and shamanic practices help me realign my soul? In this Spotlight Sunday special episode, we're going to showcase a great conversation that originally aired November 10th, 2021, episode 127, that thing about shamanic healing and connecting with your soul. In that episode, we learned exactly what shamanic breathing work is, the importance of validating spiritual experiences and exploring the deeper aspects of the soul and how it's all connected to the human experience. We learned about energy healing and how it can benefit us in a very positive way as well. I'm your host, Michael Hurst, and this is One More Thing Before You Go. Before we start this episode, my family and I would like to take a moment to mark the 21st anniversary of the 9-11 terror attacks, which, as you know, took place in New York City, the Pentagon, and Flight 93, which crashed near Shanksville, Pennsylvania. At the World Trade Center, 2,763 people died after two planes slammed into the Twin Towers. That figure includes 343 firefighters and paramedics, 23 New York City police officers, and 37 Port Authority police officers who were struggling to complete an evacuation of the building and save others who were trapped on the higher floors. Our family is part of the Blue family, so it hit us from that perspective and the loss of those police officers and the firefighters. We shall never forget and honor these heroes, surviving families, and the thousands that came to help afterwards. My guest in this episode is Jen Pearson. She founded Light in Your Space in 2015 with the intention of serving those who are learning to integrate woo-woo experiences with normal life. We're going to learn how she can guide you through personal healing with shamanic breathwork sessions to remind us of our universal connection and provide healing and personal growth. In this episode, we will learn that energy work can help you reach deep healing at the soul level. Welcome to the show, Jen. Thank you for having me. You know, it's interesting, the word shamanic, uh, I know, and I know we'll get to that, but I, I'm really excited about kind of learning more about the shamanic work and how it comes into play. We hear it, I've heard it, talked about before with, uh, I, I grew up in Colorado Springs and I grew up in, uh, obviously in Colorado and I worked in a town that we had a lot of Native Americans that came in here to work through the cliff dwellings and through Cave of the Winds. And I know that I've talked to at least one shamanic individual from the uh, one of the tribes there. I'd like to know a little bit about the differences if we can. Yeah, the word shamanic, I think, especially right now, carries a lot of weight and there's a lot of kind of controversy around it. You know, I don't I don't call myself a shaman, but I do use some shamanic uh, practices and shamanic breath work is a specific kind of breath work. And so it brings in the natural elements and it brings in the element of spirit and it brings in your soul. And so to me, shamanism on, on a whole is about connecting with nature, connecting with your nature, your inner nature, and also with the world around you and, and all that it has to bring. And so I'm not specific, you know, I don't have like a, I'm not a tribal shaman. You know, there are tribal shaman, there are indigenous shaman who have been raised in that tradition and and each, you know, tribe or each um what's the word I'm looking for? Like each group is a little bit different. You know, there were shamans in the Celtic tradition and Native American shamans and Siberian shamans. And, you know, they're, they're in the, the Amazon and, and it's all different. And that has its own kind of um, beauty and its own special 
uh, talents and its own things that it brings to the world and to its community. And so for me and, and the shamanism um, that I practice and that I share with other people, it's about building community and it's about connectedness. Yeah, that's pretty cool, actually. I think I think we're all connected in one form or another through mind, body, and soul. And we're, well, we're going to get into that here in a little bit. Let's kind of talk about your journey and how you got to where you got to. Where'd you grow up? I grew up in Baltimore, in Baltimore County in Maryland, um, and had, I guess, a pretty normal childhood. The, I grew up with uh, two parents and lived near my mom's family and very family centric. I have one sister. Uh, we were a Catholic family. My mom's still pretty strict Catholic. And so I grew up with that kind of background. And I always kind of explored the the mystical, like the what I call the woo woo stuff. You know, I, I was drawn to the psychics or, you know, the people who did healings or the tarot readers, you know, all these different kinds of things were always kind of fascinating to me. Ghosts, you know, all that stuff was kind of cool. And I kind of liken it to little kids who are kind of getting out of believing in Santa Claus. Like you kind of want to say it's true, but you kind of don't want to say it's true. Like it could be real, but maybe it's not real. And so you kind of dabble and, and test the limits and see what's going on. And so I always kind of liked to read about the mystical stuff. And I liked to learn about it as much as I could. But it wasn't like I had a community that talked about it seriously, or that could share about their experiences. And it was probably when I was in high school, um, I started having dreams that I knew things I shouldn't have known. <laughs> like I had a friend who passed and in the dream, she came back and told me something. Um, and as I was recounting the dream, I found out that it was true. And I had no idea, didn't know where that came from. And then something else like that happened with a great aunt after she passed. And she she came and asked me some questions and told me some things. And I thought it was strange and told my grandmother about it and said, I had the weirdest dream. And she said, no, that's uh, that's a real thing. That's actually something she would have said. That's something she was worried about. And I didn't know it. So I started to realize that I had this deeper connection, that there was something more out there. And it wasn't until I was in my 20s, maybe 30s almost, that I was living in Asheville, where I live now in North Carolina, which is a much more mystical community of people. There's a lot of a lot of hippies, a lot of stuff going on around here. There's a, a really big energy in the area. You've got the Cherokee Nation nearby. And then there's also just a lot of energy in the mountains. And so people come here. Um, it's kind of like Sedona in the way that people get drawn to Asheville. And so there were more opportunities for me to learn and to experiment with new things. And as my life was changing and, and as I was going through different struggles in my life, problems in my own, like having anxiety and dealing with that and depression. And then as I went through a divorce and I was seeking my own healing and in seeking my own healing, I found all kinds of alternative methods and loved some of them. So I explored more and that's how I really got into the shamanic work and energy work. You know, it's interesting. I'm going to, I'm going to take you back just a, just a little bit here because I grew up Catholic. I, I'm not a practicing Catholic at the moment, but I know that the, the Catholics, at least from our perspective, didn't 
they don't believe in any of that stuff. So, you know, you're not supposed to, you, I mean, you're very strict in certain arenas and, and like uh, which archangels exist and, and whether or not there's your guardian angels and whether or not there's spiritual stuff or a psychic and these kind of things. Did you experience any of that with your mother when, when she found out you were doing this? My mom still has some issues. Um, she, I mean, she knows that she trusts me. So she knows when I've told her about the dreams that there's something to that. She's had kind of her own experiences to some degree where she's like, okay, you know, there's some things we don't know or we don't understand. Um, and I was lucky to grow up in a church that really, even though there were very strict rules, there was also a push towards critical thinking and, you know, making your own decisions and understanding and, um, priests and nuns who were like, well, you know, this is what we teach and this is what we say, but we don't know everything. We're not God. And who's to say he doesn't have a bigger plan that we don't know everything about. And so there was some some openness to it in a way, but definitely some pushback. Definitely. I'm not still, you know, an active Catholic. <laughs> I will participate when I'm at home, you know, but it's not something that I uh, I resonate with at this point. The, the rules don't always make sense to me. To me, it's about connectedness and love and when you start dividing things is when I start to have a problem with it. But I, you know, everyone, there's, there were things about being Catholic in my upbringing that were really important to me that really helped me to put things in a certain perspective and help me to kind of organize um, the way that I view things. And so I'm, I'm thankful that I was brought up that way, even if that's not what I practice now. Yeah, that's really as interesting, actually. I think that, in, like, when I grew up Catholic, I, I kind of, at least my mother, my mother was more strict about it than what my father was. And then in, in seeking outside of that arena, I had several experiences, the same thing as you, where I kind of said, well, there's more out here than just what the church says. I'm not dissing the church. I'm just saying my experience, that there's more out here than than what the church is actually saying. So in regard to that, it just kind of um, opened my eyes a little bit more to what was around me, especially when I started working again in Manitou Springs area where we had a lot of Native Americans that came in, it kind of really, really kind of opened my eyes. Did you go to college? Did you go to university? I did. I actually have a doctorate in audiology. So I have been an audiologist for about 16 years. So that's kind of my my grounded, normal kind of job that I have uh, in, in addition to all the spiritual work that I do. And that I feel like keeps me grounded and helps me to relate more in the quote unquote, normal world. I feel like a lot of people who do things like shamanic breath work and Reiki can kind of live in the clouds a little bit. They could be a little bit less grounded, <laughs> at least in my experience. You know, you you meet someone and um, I feel like part of my path and part of my journey is to help people who are just exploring that kind of woo-woo world and just kind of taking a look to see you know, does this resonate with me? Is this something that can help me? What is this all about? Even it's easier, I feel like for them to come to someone like me who has a more grounded approach, who goes to work on Monday, who, you know, does these kinds of quote unquote normal things more than to go to somebody who like, you know, just meditates on the side of the mountain and lives in their <laughs> spiritual existence 24 seven, which is, you know, kind of a lovely way to live, but not how a lot of us are able to live our lives. Let's talk about how you connected to your intuition and how you started um, maybe recognizing the fact that uh, you had these extra gifts that uh, you could help share with the other rest of the world. Yeah, I think it really started with dreams. And so 
excuse me, dreams that I would have where they are like people who've passed away or um, there's some sort of message or there's something happening in it where I feel like I need to take notice. And those dreams just had a slightly different feeling to them than regular dreams. So yes, I definitely have regular dreams where I'm just processing through the normal stuff from the day and, and, you know, processing through whatever emotions or thoughts or anxieties are going on. But then there's these dreams that just feel slightly different. They feel a little more persistent. They feel a little bit more clear. They have more of a structure to them. It's not like, well, we were taking a walk with the alligator and then we were at the pond. You know, it's like there's actually like places that I know and things that are going on in these dreams that felt different and that I had to take notice of. And when there were dreams like that with people who I recognized and I shared them with people who knew those people, I came to realize that there were messages, that there were things that I didn't know when I was awake, but I learned through talking to them in these dreams. And so I knew that there was something to that intuition. I knew there was something to that connectedness that we all have, that sort of energy, but I didn't have any idea what that was, how to explore that. And so through my own healing journey and finding other things, I kind of found more of that connection. And so finding things through breathwork and through meditation and uh, shamanic journey and things like that, where I was able to kind of explore a little bit more. And so it came into a lot of trusting myself. So really, the journey started with learning myself and knowing myself, trusting myself. And then that helped me to kind of discern the little subtle differences between what's my brain kicking in and what's this sort of like higher intuition, higher guidance going on. And without all that base inner work on knowing myself and clearing out my own, you know, BS expectations and things like that, that I had learned and put on myself, I wouldn't have been able to really find that inner voice. I feel like that little intuition voice is so tiny. And so um, hard to hear sometimes. That's a huge changes in your life, actually. And so how did that affect your life overall? It's not at all what it used to be. (laughs) It has completely, you know, part of the shamanic tradition is this tradition of death and rebirth. And I have certainly gone through that a lot in, you know, I'm going through it now in my career, but I've gone through it in relationships. I've gone through it in where I live. I've gone through it in friendships and in different belief systems that I've held and having them kind of, you know, shaken apart or pulled out from under me sometimes and rebuilt in new ways. And so it, comes down to trusting and really trusting my what my soul tells me what I know as my soul that tells me and learning from that and seeing you know what how to navigate that is really kind of the hard part finding where you fit in in all of that because sometimes it's completely not where you started or the support that you had, those people don't always follow you. (laughs) You Like we talked about, like the Catholic tradition, you know, there are people who, um, you know, I know my mom supports me and, and all, but she does have a hard time differentiating where the Catholic rules were and how I live my life. And I don't live my life. You know, I'm not a bad person. I'm not, you know, out in, you know, her, her thing that would be the worst would be like, I worship the devil. I don't do anything like that. No, like dark magic kind of stuff, you know, nothing that would be, you know, terrible stuff in her mind, but it's just not the rules. And so I have a lot of work that I had to do around, like not it doesn't have to be everybody else's rules don't have to be my rules and my rules don't have to be their rules. Is there something in particular that brought you to um, becoming a, a, a shaman, going through training to become an ordained shamanic worker? So the ordainment happened through the shamanic breathwork 
facilitator um, certification process. And I found shamanic breath work um, kind of in a roundabout way when I was starting to have struggles in my marriage. And I was really going through a tough time. Uh, I wasn't happy at work. I wasn't happy in my relationship. Like things were just falling apart. And I was going through a lot of exploration in in the healing world. And I think I tried every alternative healing method that I could find and get my hands on. You know, I did tapping, I did Reiki, I did craniosacral, I did acupuncture. I mean, like you name it, I probably did it. And I found um, the theme of shamanism was coming up more and more. And the theme of breathing was coming up a lot. Breathing was coming up in regular therapy, as well as alternative therapies. Like when I get anxious, or when I get stressed, I don't breathe. And breath is the fastest way to move energy. Breath is the best way to process these kinds of things because it's so simple and it's so integral to how we live and how we emote and how we process. So I was I had started setting alerts on my phone like at lunchtime for 10 minutes, meditate. And then I changed it to for 10 minutes, breathe and literally just deep breathe, just do this. And that was just as effective. And so as these themes of breathing and shamanism kept coming up, I saw a flyer for an event and it was shamanism and breath work. And I went to this event and I had no idea what to expect. And it was like three hours of just this intense experience. And I had this like life altering experience where I had, you know, visions and and felt like I had gone through five years of therapy in three hours and was really came out of it completely ungrateful grounded and kind of thrown because that's a lot to take. You know, you go in expecting to feel like you took a yoga class and you come out feeling like you've completely changed your life. And the facilitators at the time really didn't have anything to share for me. Like I was trying to share my experience and say like, how, how do I handle this? How do I cope? And they kind of said, well, that's cool. Yeah. And like, that, that was there. <laughs> yeah, completely left it. And so I felt like that was just not okay. And so I went on this journey to find more and learn more about shamanic journeys and learn more about this breathwork process, because there was clearly something really, really powerful there and something that really helped me and changed me and put me through um, what we would call a shamanic initiation, a time of completely tearing away what's there and rebuilding something new and better, you know, a growth process, a transformation process. So it was about a two-year journey. And then I found uh, Linda Starwolf, who created Shamanic Breathwork, which is its own process. And Shamanic Breathwork is a combination of holotropic breathwork and integrative breathwork and rebirthing breathwork, and then also some uh, Seneca Wolf Clan teachings. And so it puts it all together and combines those shamanic elements of community and of um, of really processing as a community and also bringing in the elements. And so you have these natural things and there's music and an art process. And it, it was just this whole way to kind of have this huge experience and then really ground it, integrate it, help you make sense of it. Um, and it just was a really wonderful thing to me. So that's where I, I got my certification and now share that with other people. We keep talking shamanic, shamanic journey, shamans. Help us to understand a little more. What exactly is a shaman? So a shaman is has different meanings to different people. And I think that that term can be controversial because traditionally a shaman is that person in the tribe, in the clan, in the indigenous culture who was either <coughs> born to be the shaman or raised to be the shaman or somehow naturally selected to be the shaman, like the medicine man or woman uh, of that group. And in 
most, if not all cultures in the world, there has always been this sort of mystical, magical, you know, medicine man or woman, shaman person, healer in the community. And they were there to bring community and to heal the community and to help the community through those times of transition. And they were always the ones to connect the spirit world and the physical world and kind of bring that medicine to the people. And so those there are little bits of that culture that are shared in all the cultures around the world. And the shamanic breathwork process gets its name because it puts together those pieces from the Seneca clan and from the elements and the nature and the spirit world and and connecting that natural world, the spiritual world together. And that's kind of where that comes in. For me, the shamanic journey, those things are, that's the name of them. I don't consider myself a shaman. I didn't grow up in an indigenous, you know, medicine woman type culture. Um, But I am creating community and providing healing and helping people connect with the other side and helping people connect with their soul and nature around them and and finding that holistic self kind of of um, of healing that is is the same in in a lot of those shamanic cultures what's the spiritual aspect is there of, of, of this whole experience actually there I think it's personal to everyone and that's part of what I like to help people explore because I think that a lot of us grew up whether it was you know we were Catholic or we were some other religion, you grow up in that religion where your spirituality has these rules. You fit within the religion box and that's your spirituality. And I think that a lot of people find that they take a piece of this religion and a piece of that religion and something that just came to them, you know, through an organic process and all those things become their spirituality. All of us, each one of us. um, I think you had mentioned it in some of the material you had sent to me that and what we said in the beginning, we should learn to acknowledge and validate the spiritual experiences that we have around us, right? Right, right. How do we recognize those? I think it's similar to the way that I started to recognize in the dreams. So there's this little kind of nagging feeling that something's different, something special about this experience, something's calling to me about this experience. And maybe for you, it's dreams. Maybe for you, it's walking in nature. Maybe for you, it is spending time with your kids. You know, whatever it is, there's like what I call these moments of heaven. Like you just have this moment where this is really special. This feels sacred to you. This means something special to you. And and connecting to that and finding, you know, why that feels so good to you and how you can bring more of that joy and more of that little moment of heaven into your life, I think, is is where you're finding more of your spirituality. And then also noticing the opposite, because every light has darkness and you don't have one side of the coin without the other. So then also noticing where you have these moments of what really riles you up, what really makes you angry, what really, you know, takes away that joy or zaps your energy so that you can learn to avoid or transmute or somehow rework that relationship too. Do you think that that is a, um, a pathway to kind of uh, understanding the deeper aspects of our soul? Absolutely. I think that's your soul talking through your mind and body. You know, we we are these humans in these physical bodies with these brains that, you know, don't always serve our higher good anymore. <laughs> and so we have to learn how to listen to that little tiny voice, that little voice of our soul, that intuition. And I think that that's what connects us. And sometimes it cries out in a way that we can hear it. You know, some people may hear it in words. Some people may hear it in, uh, you know, visions. Some people may hear it in the way their body feels when they do something. And I think that it sends clues for us to put together and and make it whole. Hey, just a quick reminder. Over the next couple of weeks, I will be taking a break to spend some time with my family and refresh my soul. 
concentrate on my health so that I can come back with a new line of fantastic guests, great conversations to inspire, motivate, and educate you. During this time, we have selected some of our favorite episodes from this podcast and know that you're going to love these conversations that will touch your soul. So please enjoy these popular favorites, and I will see you starting September 14th with brand new episodes, brilliant guests, and more of what you love about. One more thing before you go. I agree with that. I think that, you know, it, most of my listeners and my viewers here shortly will understand that I believe in mind, body, and soul and how it all works together to create a balanced life. You have to have good mental health, you have to have good physical health, and you have to have good soul health. You have to have yeah. all three of them in order to, and they need to integrate within each other, in my opinion. It's helped me to walk out of a wheelchair. It's helped me to move forward in my life in a very positive way by mixing, integrating all three of those, making sure that each one of them is paid attention to um, in regard Absolutely. to that. Absolutely. I think it's easy for us to not pay attention sometimes because I think that one of those voices, the mind, the body, or the soul can be louder than the others, can drown out the others. Uh, I think voices around us aren't always the same as ours. And so we may learn to quiet those voices or ignore those voices more than others. But I really feel like a lot of the struggles, at least personally in my own life, have been because I wasn't paying attention to one of those things. Yeah, and obviously that can have an effect mentally as well as physically um, yeah. all the way around. And both of those are detrimental uh, in either direction. If you don't mind, let's talk a little bit about um, the shamanic breathing and the differences because I, I'm familiar with meditative breathing. I'm familiar with Wim Hof breathing. Mm-hmm. My kids do Wim Hof and they've actually got me involved in Wim Hof breathing. What's the difference between shamanic breathing technique and let's say Wim Hof or meditative breathing? So the Wim is more like a, a physical, it has its own, uh, you know, spiritual, mental kind of things too, but um, it's a more um, quick use kind of thing. You know, you can do it in, in a couple minutes in a day and it builds up your physical, what, what's the word that I want? Like, I want to say tolerance. Stam- that's not really the word that I want. Well, Stamina is a better stamina. word. Yeah, um, that's a better word. And, you know, meditative breathing is kind of helping you relax and bring in that calm. And the shamanic breath work is like an immersive experience. So it's something that you go into for two hours. You have about an hour of the actual experience. And it's not just the breathing. The breathing helps you, but there's also music involved that's part of it. But what the shamanic breathwork does is it gets your your brain into an altered state of consciousness. And it does it without any substances, without anything like that. There have been studies and things of, of reaching altered states of consciousness for healing through substances. But a lot of people, that's that's not what they're going to want to do. And it's not always healthy. And it can have its own side effects. And so this is a way for your brain to reach those altered state of consciousness that can facilitate healing and that can bring you deeper insights without having to go through something like that. So it's, it's using what we call conscious connected breathing. So you're breathing in and out without a break. And there's this... <sighs> kind of breath. And that's used until you feel that you've somehow changed your consciousness. The actual instruction is breathe until you're surprised. (laughs) So for some people, that may be this huge visual experience and they're flying with the eagles and their ancestors are there. And there's this crazy thing that, that they feel like happens almost like a dream state where things can just be more open. Your brain is able to process and move into these altered dream state kind of things for healing. But it can also just be that you got really relaxed and you feel like you slept for an hour through this. But as it goes through, 
through, there's the breathing that helps you reach that altered state. And then there's the music and the music is tuned to the energy centers in the body to kind of take you on a journey. So we have different music sets for different goals in shamanic breath work. So if we're there just to, you know, help you through a transformation, we may use one music set. If we're there to, you know, open your heart, we may use to a different one. And, and so those music, the vibration of the music, the tone of the music, the emotion that that can bring can sometimes help you to release things that need to be released, to open things that need to be opened, and to find a little bit deeper healing. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it kind of sounds like an integration of a little bit of meditation, a little bit of, of tech breathing technique, a little bit of Reiki, a little bit of balancing. balancing. It's a little bit of everything. <laughs> yeah, everything. it definitely... Yeah, it is. And it, there's body work involved when you do it in person. I mean, we do it online now, too. So there is some energy work always there with it. Uh, but it's it's whatever that person who's breathing needs in that moment. And you can have a room of 20 people doing a breath work and everybody has a different experience and you have a different experience every time. So it's really kind of cool. And, and it's it's a wild process. It's hard to put into words. It's definitely something that experience shows you more of. It's much better than a hot hut going into a, a <laughs> yes, sweat hut. A sweat Lodge. Yeah. yeah. And, and it is much better than, in my opinion, obviously people know that I'm a very organic individual. And because of my previous profession, I don't believe in utilizing help with uh, going into that state. By yeah. Using a, well, a, some people substance. will do like, yeah, some people will travel to, you know, Costa Rica or the Amazon or somewhere and do these ayahuasca journeys. And they're basically looking for the same thing that shamanic breathwork is going to give them. But shamanic breathwork doesn't involve like a month long diet and this, you know, trusting someone you just met to give you some sort of substance that's going to put you under for hours or, you know, and that's not something I would choose to do. Breathing at home or breathing in a right. yoga studio or somewhere <laughs> with this with music, much better in my opinion. That suits my personality better. But yeah, I mean, to each his own. <laughs> uh, do you think, do you think nutrition or the way we eat and what we put in our bodies has any effect on us? Yeah, I think everything we do has an effect on us. I think anything that you ingest and food that you ingest becomes part of you. So of course, it's going to affect you. But I don't think there's one diet for everybody. I think that different people are affected by different things. And so again, that comes that hearing those little voices, and what's right for you might not be right for everyone. I think it's hard to go online and say like, well, I'm going to be vegan, or I'm going to follow the paleo diet, or I'm going to whatever, because this is quote, unquote, the answer. Uh, it might be the answer for one person, but it might not be the answer for you it might not be the answer for me. So everybody has has their own things. But I do definitely believe that whatever we put in our bodies, whether it's thoughts or food or what we listen to or, you know, all those things can affect us for sure. Yeah, I think the the, the integration of music, music is like a universal language and our bodies and minds understand music. That's why you can see people, even babies, move to the music because yeah. even people with dementia, believe it or not, people with yeah. dementia and Alzheimer's can literally remember a song when they can't remember what their name is or who the person is in the room with them. Uh, we've experienced this ourselves because my father-in-law had Louis body dementia. He could oh. recognize music in certain songs when he couldn't remember other things, but he did yeah. remember the music and the sound. So it resonates with the brain. And yeah, um, yeah that's interesting how he utilized that with the with the breathing and with the uh, the whole practice, I guess. It yeah, kind of I mean, people. music has a vibration and we vibrate, you know, when we find that, that resonant frequency is what it's called in my audiology words, <laughs> but you find that frequency where two things are, are resonating, they're kind of amplifying each other. So if you find that music that resonates with the healing that you're looking for, that heart opening or whatever it is that you 
need in that moment, it can amplify it and it can bring that in. And, you know, music... It, it touches our emotions in a way that is hard to explain. And if you ever watch a movie, like one of the, the one of the people I think does it best is Baz Luhrmann in his movies are all about color and, and music. And if you were to ever like turn the music off, you don't get nearly the experience in watching one of his movies as you do with the music on. And a lot of movies are like that, but he has a special way, I think, of really taking music to make you feel what's needed to be felt in that moment. And that I think is kind of what's come through in these in these shamanic breathwork music sets. There are times where I'm in a space where I'm not breathing as much and I can still have the same kind of deep experience because the music can kind of take you on that journey. You just brought back a memory that uh, I had of my father when I was a child, actually. Um, we were watching, I was scared watching, um, this tells you my age, <laughs> it was like the original Creature from the Black Lagoon, uh-huh. like, like way back when. Okay, we won't give an exact year. <laughs> But way back when, and he said, no, 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 listen, and he turned the TV down, didn't have remote control. I was the remote control at the time. Right. Turned the TV back up, turned the music down, and he said, now watch the show. And I watched the show, wasn't nearly as afraid, because I was still a very young child. I I wasn't nearly as afraid of what was going on in the movie, because the music played an integral part in helping me to get involved and take the journey in that movie. It was pretty crazy. And I'll never forget that. Absolutely. You stirred that memory in me when you brought that up. It just pretty cool. Pretty cool. Yeah, I think most of us has had some kind of experience like that. I mean, in basic shamanic journey, you just journey kind of like a meditation, but you do it with a drum beat and that it's just a steady drum beat that goes to kind of get you out of your head or to move your brain into the different. But I think that the shamanic breath work really takes it to the next level with the actual music. Yeah. How does that play into like a self-hypnosis type thing? Is it similar to that? I have never totally done that. I mean, I don't I don't know enough about that to really compare. I, I feel like it's probably similar because it's still reaching an altered state, um, but I don't really know enough about hypnosis to, to give a good answer, I don't think. I'm a certified investigative hypnotist. I used to use hypnosis in, uh, while I was on the job and we helped people too. We took them back to crime scenes and things like that to help. Oh. It was not acceptable in court at that time, but we helped them to kind of get a better memory of a situation or to pick up details that they had suppressed due to be the violence of the crime or whatever, whatever had the trauma of the crime. Um, and we kind of walk them around it from a different perspective. So what it is an altered state of mind because you can take them out of that situation and have them look at it from that perspective. But when they came out of it, they were able to work through that trauma a little bit easier because they then could go back and remember, I, I can look at it from outside, like watching a TV, I can pause it, a VCR, I can pause it, I can fast forward, I can move past this in regard to that. But this is this years ago, years ago. Again, we won't talk about eight. That's a, that's a no-no. <laughs> Although, look, I'm very grateful for where I am, and it's, it is uh, my journey, as most of my people uh, have known, has been a very long journey, and being injured on the job and being diagnosed being in a wheelchair for the rest of my life and not being there, um, I'm very grateful for where I am. You know, it's, it's, you have to look at the universe, that's where my, my mind, body, and soul have come together in regard to that, and I've had to use meditation, I've had to use music, I've had to use some of the same practices without realizing mm-hmm. as what you talked about, because it's helped me to go through this journey in seven operations, actually. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, in the in the shamanic world, they would call that an initiation for you. <laughs> so there's this thing that just, you know, puts you to a halt. And there goes all that you knew about how you lived your life. And now you rebuild into something different. 
And it's all about how you handle it. So some people are going to handle it like you and and take it with grace and say, you know, I'm going to build something else. I'm going to go on. I'm going to find a new path. And other people are going to say, well, my path is over and nothing can ever happen. And and they're done and they tap out, you know, so there's there are different ways to handle it. So I think that that's that's cool that you see that in yourself. Thank you. Do you think this gives uh, the practice of this helps give us a better understanding of life and death and why we're here, why we should take every minute as joy and happiness? I think it helps people to find more joy and happiness and to find that connectedness. And, And one of the things that I find a lot of times that people will say as they're going through journeys and that I've had in in the shamanic breathwork journeys is a feeling of oneness, a feeling of connectedness with everything, with the earth, with the spirits of whatever, you know, whatever you believe in, you know, some people feel like there's fairies, you know, whatever it is, there's this connectedness and there's this oneness that brings us together. And often people will have experiences with past people who have passed on loved ones. Um, They may have experiences where they feel like they've traveled and brought healing to someone else here and things that they can't quite put their mind around but that feels so true that there's less fear around some of these unknown things like the transition from life to death or communicating with spirits that some people do. You know, these kinds of things, I feel like wherever you are supposed to know and what what's going to be relevant in your life can sometimes come through in the shamanic breath work just as a way to to open your mind. But it's always what the breather needs. So if that person's not ready to hear <laughs> that there is life after death or isn't ready to hear that they are, you know, from the same source as the trees, you know, they're not going to find that they're going to find where they're at. So some people may have, you know, baby steps in their journey, and some people may have leaps in their journey. And it's always what that breather, what that person needs in that moment. And that's kind of what motivated you to help others and to uh, found light in your space, right? Absolutely. Because there are a lot of people, I think, like me, who are like, well, there's something to this, but I don't really know how to explore it and what's next. And, you know, I don't want to go spend my life living in an ashram on the mountaintop, but I really want to know what this thing is or what what can it do for me? What can I get out of it? And, and I know there's more and I don't know how to un- unlock that. That's a very, that's a positive thing, actually. You're a coach mm-hmm. with just the shamanic breathing or are you a coach outside of that? Spiritual coach. So so I, people who are kind of going through those struggles of, I know there's more, but where do I go with this? And, and a lot of that work tends to be around helping people know themselves better to to really kind of get to listen to that little voice of the soul to unlock their intuition. Really, most of that ends up being um, finding self-love and finding that way to listen to your inner voice. I mean, and obviously that's something that I think we all need to take the time to do. It's the old cliche, stop a smell of roses and, you know, take a take yeah. a breath. In this case, take a breath and kind of... There's a way, there's a path, there's an opportunity to be able to uh, kind of move your life forward in a very good way. So if somebody's coming to like um, get in touch with you, let's talk about how they can find you. So my website is lightenyourspace.com. Um, on Facebook, I have a Facebook group where people can join me. I go live on Fridays uh, and we do events every now and then. Um, so it's kind of a fun way to connect and get to know each other. And that's facebook.com slash groups slash shine every day. 
So that's the group there. I appreciate that very much. Um, I will have make sure that all of that is in the show notes for people to who uh, can find it uh, both on YouTube as well as any of the uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all the rest of the places that everybody can find me. I'm like everywhere. We'll talk about that in a second. This is one more thing before you go. So is there anything that you would like to say, any words of wisdom that you would like to share with those going through the same journey that you did? I would just say to really believe in yourself, to listen to those little tiny inklings that you know mean something, but you don't maybe know what they mean yet uh, and to explore. So keep an open mind and an open heart and you'll grow. Jennifer, thank you very much for uh, sharing your journey with us and uh, these amazing gifts that you have that you're moving people forward in a good way, in a very positive way. I really appreciate you being here. Thanks for having me. It was fun to talk. (laughs) Thanks for listening to this episode of One More Thing Before You Go, a unique conversation about life. If you like our show and want to know more, check out our website at beforeyougopodcast.com. You can find us as well as subscribe to the program and rate us on your favorite podcast listening platform. One More Thing Before You Go, a unique conversation about life podcast, is a creation of One More Thing Productions, established 2010, all rights reserved.